Welcome back to Biff, a podcast about superhero TV shows, movies, comic books, and this poster on my wall. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined by the rest of my time-looped companions. John Moltz is here. Hi, John. Welcome back to Biff, a podcast about... Oh, uh, sorry, I reset for a second. of a... <laughs> Guy, guy, uh, hi, 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 John. Guy English is also here. Hi, guy. Molt stole my joke. Not that I was <laughs> on the first go around. Not that, yeah, here's the funny thing. Not that I was going to use that joke, but the fact that I keep always saying that Molt stole my joke that's, that's fits, your, with that's it, the, fits the pattern. <laughs> yeah, that's the reset for me. Every time that Molt steals my joke, that's the yeah. joke. Gif. Uh, we are here to discuss Arrow, Season 8, Episode 6, entitled Reset, for reasons that quickly become apparent. <laughs> and I think Mr. Moltz has volunteered to handle indeed. the recap, to handle the recap, to handle the recap. <laughs> all right, Echo. I'm done. Echo. We've done all these jokes. Okay. All right. Uh, so Oliver wakes up in the apartment in a suit, not the suit. And the kids come in and tell him that he, he uh, is late for a fundraiser and that the whole tranquilization thing was just a misunderstanding. <laughs> so he goes to the fundraiser and he's very confused. And Diggle tells him that they were tranquilized two days ago, but that's the last thing that Oliver remembers. Lila shows up and she says uh, she was working with the monitor as a double agent, so the whole thing's just a big misunderstanding. Renee tells Oliver he's supposed to be making a joint statement with the mayor, and this is their only chance to take the CPD vigilante pilot program global, blah, 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 something that never comes up again. The mayor shows up, and it's Quentin. Yeah, it's so nice to see Quentin again. He uh, says he almost died when Diaz shot him, but he survived. Renee says that there's a hostage situation at SCPD, and they want the mayor. Dinah is there and says it's too risky for Quentin to talk to them. He, he says he'll be a distraction for Oliver to go in as the Green Arrow. Oliver goes in, shoots uh, the gun out of the hostage ch- taker's hand, who says it isn't over until Oliver stops it. Then he blows himself up and everybody else, and Oliver wakes up again on the couch. So he heads to the fundraiser and tries to convince Diggle and the others that they're in a time loop. Quentin believes him. This time, he looks for the bomb under the building. He runs into Laurel, who says that she's also in the time loop. On the next loop, Laurel uh, shows up at the party and has a moment with Quentin. Laurel and Dinah stop the bomb, but Quentin gets shot outside police headquarters. Try again. Next time around, Oliver wants to get Quentin to the bunker and find out who hired the mercenaries. Laurel confronts Lila. Laurel tells Quentin that uh, he's supposed to be dead. They head to a building with Oliver that's supposed to be the hideout of the mercenaries. Another bomb goes off, and Lila walks in and tells uh, Oliver he's missing the point. He can't fight it, and then she shoots Quentin. Reset. Oliver wants to go back to the hideout to do things differently, this time with an electricity arrow that deactivates the bomb. They identify a guy named Anderson White uh, on a conveniently left computer, then head to a building down by the docks where Quentin gets shot again. Before he dies, Laurel tells him he's the reason that she's trying to be a hero. They get the moment they didn't have before when he died. Uh, He dies then, and Oliver says he'll fix it the next time, but Laurel's gone from the next loop. In the bunker, Lila tells Oliver Laurel got what she needed and that the Monitor wants Oliver to recognize that it's no good to struggle. The only way to win is to accept the inevitable. 
Oliver and Quentin get to the docks building and find a list of hits, meaning White is just a middleman. Uh, bad guys show up, and Oliver uses some CGI budget on a crazy multiple <laughs> gun incapacitating arrow thing. That was pretty cool. Quentin gets hit again. They get cornered, and Oliver says he's going to do it no matter how many times it takes in order to save Quentin. Quentin says there's no saving him from this. He's not supposed to be saved. Oliver says he's not giving up. Quentin says he's he's not giving up. He's giving in. And he's making his peace, and it's time Oliver did so too. He takes off his vest and steps out and gets shot. Oliver wakes up again. This time, he tells the kids how proud he is of them. He Then he asks Quentin uh, what made him decide Oliver wasn't his enemy anymore back when he was chasing him. Quentin says his daughter's trusting Oliver was what did it. Then he thanks Quentin and walks away. Lila shows up. The moral was he couldn't change Quentin's fate, and he can't change his own either. Lila says she's working for the Monitor to protect her family. She says he needs to complete his final mission, and he and Laurel wake up on Lee and Yu. Oliver realizes they were wrong about the Monitor, and uh, he knows now he can't fight his fate. Bump, 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 bump. Bump, 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 bump. The, um... I would not have put money down on Arrow doing a time loop episode before The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Of all the shows. I mean, Legends did their time loop episode, which is a great episode. It is uh, a good episode, A couple yeah. seasons ago. And I've, I'm amused that they went back, as it were, to the time loop well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, interesting. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about this is that it... it I, I think as you recounted it, I'm starting to wonder if it falls apart a little bit when you look back at it, just in terms of this extremely elaborate point. And I get the uh, the point that Lila makes that Oliver is somebody who needs to see this for themselves. But yeah. it, it does make me wonder, like, is is that a real Quentin? Is it just a like a construction or an illusion? It seems kind of hollow if it just is, but he seems... You know, pretty he acts cool. like real Quentin. Yes, exactly. So I don't think it. I don't think it matters. I mean, like, does it? If it or, walks like a, if it walks like a Quentin and quacks like a Quentin, <laughs> is it not a Quentin? I, I, don't, I just think like, I, I, I agree with you on the one hand, but at the same time, it feels so. You want, you want to have your mind blown? Are all the people who come back in Avengers Endgame really the what? same versions of themselves <laughs> as they were before they were dusted, or are they just like completely new versions that? No, I, I, you know, if we're going to talk about a stupid comic book show, I'm going to nitpick stupid details. <laughs> this is how this is going to work. <laughs> Um, I just, it seems like a weirdly elaborate scenario, especially because, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, something about it. I think they, I think they did a good job of setting up for multiple episodes that he was not trusting. Yes. No, I uh, agree with that. The, the monitor. And then, so, okay. So the monitor needed some way to like say, no, you've got to, you have to trust me because there's, you know, and I don't know. I think it works. I think it works for. Well I I I like this episode, and I don't want to sound like I don't because that's not what I'm trying to get at. I think it's just it, it's something that I feel like when I was watching it, I really enjoyed it. But when I take a step back from it, I like I did have more like, eh, this is an interesting choice for an all powerful being to go about yeah. putting Oliver in a well, video game. <laughs> but I think you just said it right. He's all powerful. It means nothing to him to to create this fantasy. Doesn't like it's not it's it's not taxing on him. No, no, it's not. It's not about that. Even it's just the. It's just it. If it felt me, it felt weird, right? Like I mean, I like the idea, even that the monitor, like because Oliver keeps pushing because he won't give up, 
the monitor has to keep like inventing new layers on the fly like oh there's mercenaries oh somebody's behind them yeah. oh that guy's <laughs> yeah. got a list of people to kill and then, right. oh there's more and more it, guards i'm just point. throwing at you like yeah. yeah, yeah. He did get really lazy by the like the fourth level when it was just an endless supply of like machine <laughs> yes. gun mercenaries. Right, right, right. Whatever. I think what let's let's cut to the chase here, Oliver. Yeah, <laughs> I think the part that, in retrospect, the part that feels the most hollow to me in some ways of this redemp of this like Oliver coming to terms with this is then the part where where Quentin is like, I'm giving in. I'm taking off my vest, I'm walking in and out, and I'm sacrificing myself. Because Quentin hasn't been through the loop. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And, and that right. feels like the, all, like the monitor just being like, I'm just going to make this guy do something kind of oh, wacky. Yeah. And I like, mean, yeah, I don't know. That part, that part struck me as a little false feeling just because I didn't think that was something Quentin would do, and it felt too much like toying with people to be like, ah, well, you've watched him die a bunch of times. I'm just going to make him sacrifice himself now. I think if you accept the conceit that Quentin believes everything that Oliver has told him and everything that he's learned from... You know, I mean, you have to. You obviously a lot of this goes on in the viewer's mind as opposed to the, sure. the character's yeah. mind because the viewer has been through the multiple loops and knows that Laurel told Quentin that he died in the real world and 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 you know even though that version of Quentin may not necessarily know that I can't remember if he had been fully brought up to speed or you know there's there's enough shorthand in there that you can say okay you know Quentin knows basically what we know right it's and. And and that and that means that he's he's making that decision because he also recognizes that he was supposed to have been dead already and um right he's, and and that's where the part of him being an illusion again feels a little weaker to me because having an illusion of himself sacrifice himself yeah I don't know it loses a little yeah. bit of its weight for me there but I I you yeah, know this is know. this is kind of I again, don't think. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't take it as him sacrificing himself so much as like it's not a it, he's not saving Ollie in any way. It's not a I didn't take it as a sacrifice so much as what he says. Like just he's resigned to this is this is what has to happen, and he's il- literally illustrating to well, not literally, but he's illustrating to to Ollie. Yeah, what you know what has to be done, which is just accept the fate. Yeah, again, and that has and, more weight. And to your point, to your point, it, it is a video game, and they are scripted, like. Like the um, uh, the guy who blows himself up, or whoever the guy who says it's going to keep happening until you stop it. Yeah, uh, that's clearly a line that the monitor sure. would put in his yeah. head. Like that's right. not a you know. Right. So yeah, yeah. And I, I took a lot of it's exposition to Oliver. Yeah, I took a lot of Diggle's advice as being like basically words that are coming out of the monitor's mouth. Sure. Yeah, uh, I took him just appearing next to a bomb, and Ollie's even like, "How? What? How did you get here?" Is a guy I heard there was a bomb threat? Like it's a weird explanation. How does he just sneak up to him? Yeah, no, I agree. I think you're right. right. It, it, it's everything has a slight element of unreality to it. Yeah. Definitely, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. Like again, I'm not trying to say I didn't like this episode. I, I think I did. I just there are a couple of things that in the retelling of it made me feel a little more like, well, that felt a little cheaty, I guess. But that's yeah. well. I mean, I think you know what this problem is is a giant Twitter thread. <laughs> <laughs> all right, get, all right, get on we, writing that uh, here we go i'm gonna crack my knuckles and get down to it <laughs> um the the other the thing that i like about this so much though that makes it also work for the viewer is the fact that 
Quentin's death was kind of dumb. Yes. No, it, it kind <laughs> yeah. of feels His like original death that was kind of dumb. And so this is like going back and recognizing, okay, we, we, you know, we didn't do that very well. We did it to be, you know, to expedite his exit from the show. And here's something for you, the viewer who really cared about that character to mm-hmm. have a chance to say goodbye to him in, you know, the guise of these characters. And it's a format that allows them to give him two deaths, each one appropriate for each of our characters in it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Lauren and Molly. You, in no other format could you have written that scene. Yeah. Either, like, one of them would have had to be in the, 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 the lead, obviously, the lead dying with them, whatever. Yeah. The, the, the lead attendant at his death kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the other one would have to be hanging back in the cut, and it doesn't make sense that it would be Ollie. Yet, we need that character to... Uh, wrap up with with Stephen Amell with Ollie really because yeah. I mean because he's the one who has to you know move on a, for the a, for the for the arc of the season. Yeah, he's the one that has to move on. Yes, entirely. But uh, also th- that the uh, conflict between those two characters drove the show for the first two seasons, basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and interestingly, yeah. Oliver, it's Laurel is there with with Quentin as he dies, and while Oliver is there with him when he dies several times, the moment he says goodbye to him, he leaves him alive, which I also thought is an yeah. interesting, an interesting choice. He's still letting go, but yeah. he's doing it in a yeah. different way. So I think I think you're right. Like, there's yeah. a lot in this episode and, that's really well structured. And Quentin's sacrifice is not what ends the loop, right? Exactly. It's Oliver coming to terms yeah. with his with his fate. Or you know, yeah. The loop. Um, which is interesting too, because I think the other part of this that plays into, and we've been t- we've been hearing this since Elseworlds, basically, like you know, your fate is immutable, etc. People have to die, and I think it's interesting to put your hero into that situation, especially as this episode spends so much time drilling in. Oliver is a character who does not give up on things, like right, he's stubborn. He is just going to keep pushing until he finds a way for something to work the way he wants it to. And ultimately, he has to come to grips with the fact that he can't do that in this case. Uh, so it's kind of going against almost your central, the central tenet of your character of being like sort of the stubborn, like guy who's mm. going to find a way. I'm, you know, no matter the odds, I'm going to find a way to succeed. And the answer is, nope, that's done yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but maybe season eight is the time to teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I have you no know? complaints like, about that. I think it's it's an interesting seven move. seasons. He's oh yeah, definitely. But for, I mean, for seven seasons, he's been indomitable, and yes. now it's like, well, at you know, at a certain point, you have to learn that there are things that you just cannot change. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is kind of depressing for a superhero. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I know. I, I find a lot of this, you know, <laughs> contrary to my personal beliefs, but it's it's a you know. Yeah. It's a dumb show with exploding arrows. So, okay, not this. That exploding arrow was awesome. It was pretty cool. <laughs> and I, 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 I had I the exact show in general. Not this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I had the exact arrow. I had the exact same note about uh, <laughs> CGI budget. I'm yeah. like, whoa! They splurged on this one. That's awesome. <laughs> um, also, that's how they solved they, the gun problem. I think maybe mm, mm, oh. arrows. Remember arrows, arrows is the solution. arrows that 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 hit that are attracted to guns. <laughs> That would that would actually just Arrow really make sense. Gun, <laughs> but we knew that. Um, moving over to directing for a second. Uh, this was a well done episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, there was a really really good, uh, like a really nice long one with uh, like a long tracking shot where Ollie's fighting the mercenaries with uh, 
with Quentin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's like going all over the place. I mean, there's uh, fight coordination going on. There's uh, explosives. Yeah. There was like people flying and going all over the place. There's the, the cameras moving in such a way that like you can tell that, well, you can't tell, which is the point, but they must be doing setup outside of the, the, the focal yeah. plane yeah. of the camera. They, blocked, kind of they thing. blocked the crap out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was really well done. Yeah, credit to uh, this is David Ramsey directing here. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's doing yeah, good work. I brought it up. Yeah. And he was, uh, he was lovely in this episode. He just seems so calm and chin, chill, chin, chin too, but, but mostly, but mostly chill. I thought, yeah. That's like the the Freudian slip. He just seems so calm and giant bicep. Wait, no, I meant collected. Yeah, I know, yes. yeah. yeah, calm and sexy, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, and he, um, he uses himself very well in this episode because yes. he clearly can't be in a lot of it, but he deploys himself in like kind of mm-hmm. a few strategic moments, which is nice. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of. Uh, Last show that we had, I sort of predicted he couldn't be in this one that much, and I was weird because clearly Lila's a big plot element in this one, right? And uh, yeah, and there's a confrontation between the two of them, but not between her and Dig, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's not really in it. <laughs> yeah, despite Diggle, the I fact mean, that he also Diggle, got tranked. Real Diggle is not in this episode right. until uh, he the last up minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, we get. I think also probably the best at least we, we still don't know entirely why what lila's motivations are though we had our conspiracy theory last week that it was somehow possibly related to baby sarah uh and there was a tease in the interview i sent you guys where uh he you know people asked D- uh, david ramsey about this and he's like yeah you know there's kind of a nod to that in this episode and i think that is lila explains she's doing this to protect her family and yeah. You know, that that can mean a lot of things, but it also the fact that she likens it to Oliver's choice to essentially walk away from his family certainly I feel like is the moment where it gets compelling to Oliver as to why she's done this. Right. And like that seems to be also one of the moments where Oliver really like is like, I'm ready to let this drop and just sort of go along with it because I, you know, I even though you have deceived me, I see why the reason you're doing it is analogous to the reason I did something that I really didn't want to do. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm curious about is, um, he asks her how long she's been working with the monitor and she says a while, which is ambiguous and kind of intriguing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, does a I while mean like back to while. season two or something like, yeah. Says, yeah. Before the show, who knows? I mean, this could be, yeah. we, we've heard since the dawn of time <laughs> could be, could be, <laughs> Uh, you know, because we heard her tell that story a couple weeks ago to Laurel about her unit in Afghanistan um, and how they mm-hmm. all died, right? And, like, we thought maybe that has something to do with it or maybe that was where the connection came from. Um, and that was before the show even started. So, who knows? Hmm. She's got a real, uh, hmm. she's got a real Silver Surfer and Galactus thing going on here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's literally called Harbinger. Harbinger. Yeah. Harbinger. Yeah. 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 Um, I like Oliver's befuddlement in the first half of this episode as he's trying to figure out what's going on, including, but like, he knows something's wrong, right? Like not only cause Quentin's alive, but he's like, when did Palmer tech get rebuilt? What kind of fundraiser am I going to? Like all of yeah. this stuff. He walks into the woman with the drink. I wrote immediately. That'll be important later. <laughs> yeah. And it is of course, cause he immediately next time like catches the drink, uh, with his yeah. awesome reflexes. The jackass with the crappy joke. Yep, the jackass with the yeah. crappy joke. 
Um, I was a little puzzled again about the, um, and this has been a, throughout this season. He is uh, in full in the full Green Arrow costume, including the mask, even though everybody everybody knows, knows who he is. Yeah, doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it just seems cumbersome. I think I yeah, it seems like it kills your visibility and all that stuff. But I guess like he's just he's it's his thing. I guess he's into yeah. it. Yeah, well, you don't need the little domino mask. Move the mask. Yeah, go back to the grease paint. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Grease paint. That. That's probably a pain in the ass to clean up. Yeah. And the and the yeah. and the eye black that he has to put on around the mask is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Yeah. But I don't think in this in the show they don't have the conceit of him putting makeup they, on. He just no. They yeah. They don't. They don't recognize that. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Because it looks dumb when you um, put the mask on. <laughs> so. Uh, I loved, and don't cut me off because I'm, I'm going someplace with this. Um, I loved a couple of the references. I loved uh, that they immediately called it Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. And I was dying, dying to get a cause and effect reference. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I so wanted yeah. somebody to, like, if we'd had Curtis around... <laughs> Or even Renee, like somebody just had to, it's like, what? It's like, yeah, I'm a big Star Trek fan, like just something. Yeah. And just somebody looking just at see, them just weird. see three pips or something, you yeah. know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, anything. That's a bit, that's yeah. a bit. And, and, then they, and everybody just looks at you and you go, forget it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, I mean, it's, it's a genre show. Obviously, they've all seen Cars and Effect, like the writers, so many times. We would hope yeah. so, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd assume so. I just, I would have loved that. Maybe it's just my own weird insistence on putting no, Star I, Trek I, I, in pretty I much everything. Too, but but <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like that was probably, they were, they were in movie mode and I don't know if they would have gone there. I guess like, so. I think it's okay oh, wait. To, oh, is it a different company? Oh, it's Paramount. Oh, I don't know. Who cares? I'm not going to figure Yeah, it's definitely out. a different just, company, yeah. but I'm, I don't know that the other, are the other ones... Well, whatever they make. I didn't check. I didn't check who made the who made Groundhog Day and who made. <laughs> yeah, but I guess Cisco's always just cracking wise about Spider Man and the Hulk and stuff. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, whatever. They don't care. I don't think they, don't yeah. think they care that much. Um, <laughs> we've we've already established that Harry Potter exists in a universe where Tom Felton plays somebody else. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who plays Draco in that universe? It's still him. It's the same actor. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, so a lot of this episode also revolves around the monitor, who does not appear at all in this episode. Yeah, I sort of expected him to show up at the end, but nope. He's busy. He's doing stuff. Uh, and then and then it's a, at a certain point in, in these shows, you sort of go, okay, they didn't want to pay. <laughs> Maybe. They're, I also... They're, they're, gonna, they're not having him there because they didn't want to pay him. <laughs> I, I really like the visual tone of this episode a lot. It was uh, sort of more subdued. Uh, the giant fight, fight, fight is, is an exception, obviously. But even that was pretty um, uh, relatively low-key, I guess. I, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, it was mercenaries with guns, which is like bread and butter arrow stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of close-ups, a lot of like yeah. close camera work for a lot of it. Not a lot of, you know, like wide establishing shots either, which I, I liked. It feels claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah. I love the tent at the end in which it's raining when they're filming the indoor scene and they walk out and it's a sunny day. Oops, whatever. That's, that's Vancouver for you. Yeah, true. Like, that's yeah. I think you mean Leanne yeah. Yu, okay? Leanne Yu, sorry. Yeah. It's beautiful, though. I liked it a lot. I loved, I love, love, love those elevator doors that they had from season one. Yeah. I love that elevator. It's so great. Um, there's a lot of stuff I liked about it, but I don't think 
plopping the monitor down with his big goofy look is gonna it's gonna work just don't have it uh, it's it's a heartfelt touching episode we're gonna get enough for the monitor and whiz bang stuff coming up yeah true like let's just leave this on the emotional notes and, and be done with it well and having lila as the like you know uh, proxy for the monitor i think is important uh, yes. since we've established that it's important for oliver to be like what is going on like what's your deal here and for us to get a mm-hmm. little more of a hint of that um but i'm i'm curious yeah. as to how much more of that they're going to spell out if anything before we delve fully into crisis yeah and she can teleport like q now so that's cool yeah apparently or that's just or the, the monitor, monitor yanked it out know, whatever yeah yeah yeah. Um, I, I was pretty convinced. I mean, this seems pretty straightforward from the moment that we see this, that this is some sort of test. I wondered if it was going to end up with Quentin having to sacrifice himself to prove to Oliver that he had to sacrifice himself, which kind of happens, but not really. So I actually think that the way they did it was better. Uh, you know, having to deal with sort of the immut- immutability of fate, I thought mm-hmm. was more appropriate than dealing with sacrifice. Oliver has always been willing to sacrifice himself. <laughs> If you felt like it would actually get the job done, um, this was more a matter of trust than anything else. Yep, I agree. Uh, Do you want to do the uh, turn to the ritual? Or do you have any more? Yeah, uh, any more thoughts? uh, I'll save it for the ritual. Okay, well, sure. (laughs) Ritualize it. (laughs) Uh, It's a clear biff. Do I have any more thoughts? No. I this is an episode worth watching. It's really good. I don't think I, there's not a lot to talk about in terms of because you know things repeat every now and then. Uh, there's a good uh, Big Belly Burger reference in there, which is kind of funny. Uh, it's it's a good solid episode. It's a it's a strong bit. I am a sucker for uh, time loop episodes. <laughs> yeah. You can't do them all the time, but. I'm glad that I'm glad that they they got one in in Arrow of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. I, I really really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a strong biff. John, this is my turn. Yeah, uh, I I would agree. It's a yeah, it's a definite biff, and it is. It's a it's obviously a trope. It's a trope I like. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yeah. that helps. Uh, it's yeah, that complete yeah, completely does help, and, and and I think they they do a good job in this in this episode of using that particular trope so uh it's you know it's all good yeah i i agree that it's a biff um i really do like um the time i like time loop episodes as well uh it's fun to see oliver deal with it and i always like any time loop episode where somebody tells somebody else we're in a time loop and they're like cool what are we doing about it (laughs) i always enjoy that you don't want to spend too much time explaining it it that was better handled in um legend in the legends it episode it made more sense there but <laughs> where he just goes up to nate i think it was just he goes up to nate and says time loop and he's like oh wow cool <laughs> yeah uh i think uh i really do like that that quentin's like this is not the weirdest thing <laughs> that uh, that we have seen so yeah i totally buy yeah. it and i was like all right yeah. good you don't want to have to spend 20 minutes convincing somebody you're in a time loop um <laughs> I I just, always great to see Paul Blackthorne. He has been I feel like sorely missed over the last year and a half. And yeah. you're yeah. totally right that this very much feels like a remediation of them killing him off in a kind right. of offhanded fashion. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's great to get a chance to properly say goodbye to this character. I'm actually even hopeful that you know his last words, to Oliver, are you know we'll we'll see each other yeah. again. I meant to mention that because I didn't put it in my notes, but yeah, um, I'm hopeful of of that as well. 
Um, Me too. I enjoyed. Yeah, uh, otherwise, we're otherwise we're re-editing this episode, and I'm <laughs> going to give it an Alex for not using him as the question. There's a there's an, there's an asterisk on my rating here. Um, I also enjoyed Laurel being somewhat catty with Lila about pulling off short hair better than she does. Yeah. <laughs> Very strange, yeah. but yeah, it seems right. It was such a weird shot. Like she just saw, saw her dad die and like and i also <laughs> liked her line about whether you know they're basically about to both die and in, in the explosion and and he says meet me at the at the fundraiser and she's like is this like a formal oh, yeah, that, yeah <laughs> that was pretty funny that was a good line um yeah so there are a couple of good bits in here but overall i feel like it's pretty well structured it it feels it's the kind of thing you know as we talked about it's the kind of thing you can do in season eight when you already know yeah. that it's the last season that you couldn't do somewhere else in the middle of the show as easily and this yeah. is, you know, so much of this season is about not only homages to things that are in the past, but, you know, doing stuff that's a little bit off kilter in a way that, like, you know, you can't walk, walk in and watch this episode and have any idea what's going on. But that's fine. This is not for those people. It's for the people who watched the show for seven and a half years. Yeah. Could have been way worse. They could have had, like, Moira fall in love with a space ghost kept in a candle. <laughs> <laughs> no one would do that. No, that's crazy. It's bananas. Better off, better off doing another time loop episode. <laughs> yeah, the lows and highs of that show are remarkable. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, next week, we are off to Lian Yu, as we saw at the end of this episode, for an episode called Purgatory, uh, which, of course, is what Lian Yu means. Did you know that? Did you know Lian Yu means uh, Purgatory? <laughs> I, I think they've told us <laughs> at least that. twice every season. I've heard that. Um, it features the return of a character we have not seen for a bit. Does it? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I it's even gotta, I it's gotta be dead, it Deadpool. Deadpool. Um, yeah, there. It seems like a big, uh, a big face-off is happening, and I guess we this. That's our last pre-crisis episode, so I feel like that's probably kind of the soft lead-in to crisis mm-hmm. as well. Um, lot still to be established. I feel like we we yeah. still. We've kind of got the Don't stakes, know exactly but we... what crisis. I mean, she's ve- she's very vague about crisis when she t- it, she still doesn't give him very many details. So my theory still at this point is the book that Oliver found way back in Nanda Parbat was actually, and we saw the picture there because they showed it again in the clip mm-hmm. package at the beginning. Um, I think that's the anti monitor, and I think that yeah, that people have viewed them interchangeably. Maybe they are like if not the same person like two facets of the same person essentially um Mm -hmm. who may be separated and so people attribute you know the work of one to the work of another so i think there's still more to be spelled out there but yeah i'm curious to see what happens next week this episode does sort of paint the monitor in in a good light ultimately right like he gives him little gifts yeah like like i think she even says like what what you brought your children back because time is a gift yeah yeah she does which is still a little weird because you're messing with their lives which like that's not cool but (laughs) in a weird abstract godish kind of way he seems like he's trying to do nice stuff like give closure to laurel like why like or you know help ollie come to terms with his uh destiny i suppose and and the lila also makes the point that everything that he has done before uh in this season was not pointless like there was a reason for all of it it just wasn't the reason he thought it was and that includes like going to find that device that was supposedly they were going to use against the monitor which is an interesting point 
Yeah, the antimatter wave generator, whatever the hell that was, the MacGuffin of last week. Yeah. I do want him to just say at one point, I'm a guy with a bow and arrow. Like, Couldn't you find somebody better c- for this job? Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that is kind of the point he makes in last, in last year's crossover was like he trades himself for Kara and, and Barry because he thinks they're more valuable in the long run. So I guess so. You know, yeah. they kind of yeah. pointed to that already, but. Yeah, I'm sure that'll come up. But some like during the funnier moments of the crossover stuff, I'm sure something's going to come up. Which is like I, he's, I've so, been... he's so clearly outclassed, right? Like, why does it have to be Ollie? <laughs> yeah, it, to 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 wedge in our hall monitor segment here. Not that the hall the monitor has showed up really in in other places at this point. Um, they've made a big deal over on the Flash about how Barry's death is inevitable and how he needs to prepare himself for death, which is interesting because that is not kind of what we are led to believe by the deal that oliver struck which is essentially like oliver sacrifices himself and barry and Kara will live yeah mm-hmm. these guys gotta have a lot more date nights together yeah. because that would be that's <laughs> i mean plus, good plus, good plus, information plus, to share you know awkward the, i sacrificed myself too the flash is not ending right so <laughs> right right yeah yes. so <laughs> barry can't sacrifice himself no but they they keep drilling that point home over the last several episodes like he's literally going around to people and like setting them up to be like all right when i'm dead you're in charge of this see the thing is i think ollie knows where this well quote unquote certainty because the monitor has told him whereas barry just knows that he vanishes in the crisis no the monitor has specifically told barry that the flash must die talk to to him and uh okay i I don't know i watched that show when i was cooking lunch and stuff like a sister bride yeah he said, he said that to his face <laughs> yeah he said to him that you need to the well I, i'll rephrase he said the flash must die and then there was a vision uh-huh. that barry had of himself you know out of the comic book yeah. disintegrating right. essentially so yeah. but doesn't mean he is okay. the flash that must die necessarily <laughs> loopholes <laughs> it's gonna be wells with that face yeah, manipulating thing Jeez. yeah <laughs> It's gonna be just destined. You guys just destined to die like four hundred uh, times. They're just gonna make Jay do it again. Yeah, <laughs> the worst. Oh no, I like Jay. Uh, maybe Jay I is the know. star of the show, uh, starting in the midseason break. Oh, <laughs> they said everything will be different, guys. <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. Well, who knows? We'll see what the uh, we we don't know much about the impact post uh, crisis at the moment. So there's still a lot to lot to learn. All right, uh, shall we move over to our superhero sweep segment? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let us do so. Speaking of Vancouver, um, I noticed in the episode of The Flash from last night, they, they did not change one of the license plates. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoops. A car flips over. It's another car flipping over scenario. It's hard. You, uh, you're busy. You're busy when I you're guess- filming those. I guess so. I guess when cars flip over, um, the special effects people sort of forget to remove things. Yeah, it happens. Um, so one of the things that we were talking about before the show and uh, that's been making the rounds on Twitter was a story saying that uh, essentially Warner Brothers doesn't know what to do with Superman as a character, <laughs> which is a little strange way to put that, I guess um but (laughs) it is also recognizing the obvious yeah i mean the the clearly that has been demonstrated um but i think it's interesting that they their movie strategy has become even more bizarre 
uh, over the past couple of years, if that was somehow possible. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, the last several years have seen Aquaman. They've seen <laughs> Joker. They've seen Shazam. We've got an upcoming Birds of Prey movie. They kind of all seem like they're all over the place, right? Like, it is very much not the MCU's singular vision. Yeah. 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 They it's don't like have an somebody, editorial. It's voice. like somebody different. Unlike, which is funny because they own all of these characters and yet it's as if they're all owned by separate companies. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like when Marvel sold off all its characters in the 90s yeah. to be like, all right, well, we just, yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want with this. Yeah. They yeah. don't seem to have a Kevin Feige type guy. I don't but, think so either. Yeah. Well, they, they started, they started with Schneider, right? They were going to Snyder. Yeah. He was, yeah. but he's ended up kind of imploding. Um, right. Apparently, they've talked. Well, he also didn't have some personal tragedy. Yes, or there was something. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah there like, was. Some... Yeah, he's he's off of my make fun of list at this point. So I still don't like his work, but I don't take that out yeah, of no. personally. Right. Um, yeah. So apparently, there were discussions with J.J. Abrams, um, and there was a meeting with Michael B. Jordan pitching Warner's on uh, Superman, which would be awesome. Frankly, I think that would be yeah. a very interesting take. Um. But I, I really liked, essentially, and there were several different versions of this, I think. Um, but the one I retweeted was uh, Chris Straub, who is a, um, I think he's a writer uh, and writes comics. Has he written comics, too? I can't remember. Um, saying, essentially, what if the next movie let us like Superman and didn't make us sad and afraid of Superman? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and I saw another one that was really good saying, let us not forget that Marvel basically took a character uh like a guy in his 40s slapped uh you know a red white and blue flag on him and essentially made him like an old grandpa who didn't like people swearing and people ate it up (laughs) yeah so i i guess i guess for me i i'm throwing out there like what is your what is your superman pitch uh i go back to christopher reeves yeah he's He's uh, dead. We can't yeah, do that. But, well, <laughs> but okay. That tone. That tone. I mean, we. Yeah. I mean, just we just watched it recently, and it was great. Yeah. Uh, and look, the the world sucks enough right now. Uh, having a, a character of clear moral clarity would be nice and refreshing. Yeah. Uh, he's Superman for a reason, you know. Truth, justice, right. in the American way. Do that. It's 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 great. It's been going what seventy five some odd years now. Yeah, the the character works for a reason. Stop jazzing him up. He, he doesn't need to be jazzed up. He's Superman. He's literally perfect. So <laughs> you know, don't don't mess with it. Give us give us a movie in which the hero is legitimately a good aw shucks good fella, good guy. Yeah, it it it, it continues to disappoint me that they feel like everything has to be dark and you can't make a movie for adults that is not somehow about um psychosis the, or the, some yeah, yeah yeah the the collapse of morals in some way i mean that, that the, every character has to have a a uh, terrible moral failing and you you don't have to you know <laughs> like sometimes it's about <laughs> an ideal rather than right. about reality. <laughs> Sometimes right. the yeah. symbol and stands for hope. That's right. Yeah, I think it's hard to write for Superman. Same reason it's hard to write for Cap. But they managed to make some really great Cap movies. Uh, 
And Cap has the same qualities, really. Uh, yeah. And I think that character, yeah. as, especially as played by Chris Evans, yep. uh, really captured it. It took a character that I personally found sort of uh, bland and even jingoistic, or nationalistic at least, uh, and made it a really compelling character that I fell for. And he's one of my favorite parts of that series of movies, if not one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Um, you can do that for Superman. I think you need to cast really, really well. And um, I think you need to be true to what draws people to the character in the first place. And that is, um, uh, if he's got a flaw, it's his naivete, maybe. You know, like, mm-hmm. he just really, really believes in everybody and trusts them, even Miss Tessmacher. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and he'll start lecturing. <laughs> like, when Lex Luthor asks him about the San Andreas fault, he'll just explain it to him like he's a kid <laughs> in class. It's like, it's awesome. <laughs> so awesome. And in a lot of ways, Superman Returns captured a, a bunch of that. And, um, oh man, our buddy, help me. Uh, the, the actor who played uh, Superman in Superman uh, Returns. Brandon Ruth. He's on, he's on Legends. Brandon Ruth. Brandon, I did it. Yeah. Did an amazing job. I thought he did a great job. He was a terrific yeah. Superman. And a pretty good Clark Kent, too. And I, well, I mean, we're about to see him do it. So that's exciting. I know but, it is. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. But um, you could have that tone and make a better movie out of it. Like, they, that movie was not let down by their Superman or their Clark Kent. And there were parts of it that yeah. are really great. Uh, you know, it just happened to be a bit of a dud movie. But, um I'd love to see that feeling recaptured again. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I agree with you guys. Like, there was, I would say, probably in the starting in the around 2000s, um, there was a moment where we needed, all of a sudden, every reboot needed to be kind of dark and gritty, right? And, like, a lot of that was with with properties that had experimented with that in the past. Like, I'm thinking of Batman Begins. Um, I'm thinking of um, even James Bond, Casino Royale came out around the same time. And, yeah. you know, well, the world got real dark. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I think like, that was a natural yeah. response to like we, you know, yeah. everybody feels kind of like uh, reality is gotten really serious and we can't take sort of the frivolous things. It felt very, very frivolous to like kind of deal with stuff that was light and floofy at the same time. Um, yeah. And I shouldn't say the world got dark. The, it sort of. That darkness hit the people it, it came who were home. making like those it, movies. It, yes. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it came yeah, home. It got, sure. it got personal. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah. I I think that was a natural reaction, and I think, you know, it fit the times. And for me, especially as someone who was just in his 20s at that point, like, you know, oh, yeah, dark, gritty stuff. That's what I'm all about, because the world is a serious place, right? Like, that kind of, I was in the right age bracket for that, I feel like. But as I have aged along with that trend, I've definitely gotten tired of it. Because it's been, yeah. you know, almost 20 years of this, and you're like... Could we have a little bit of kind of, you know, upbeat? Can we go back? Can we swing the pendulum a little bit back towards the hopeful side of things? I mean, Batman at least started out as a noir. Yeah, Yeah, but it's I think it I think it fits that genre much better, whereas Superman is not that at all. Right. I mean, the key for them was that they they are a contrast to each other. Yeah. And you can't make a movie where they're the same gritty. (laughs) Like there are, yeah, so there, but there are so there are properties where I mean, it's like you, you know, we're not trying to say that you, everything should be cheery and upbeat, but there are properties that that it works really well with, and then there are properties that it does not work at all with. Right, and Superman yeah. is one where it doesn't work at all. 
Yeah, like Ant-Man with a drinking problem is no fun. <laughs> That's not... Sorry. Nobody wants in that. My, in my head, I just pictured him. <laughs> that but is he, what happened. But I, yeah. In my yeah. head, I just picture Scott Lang, but he's got like a beer, and then he looks around, and then he puts one of the things on it and makes it just like a much bigger beer. Yeah. <laughs> actually, like, you know actually, what? that would Paul, be hilarious. <laughs> Paul Rudd would, would really sell that to me. That's, maybe that's that's a pitch. Yeah, I'll take that old, over to Paul. Oh, uh, yes, the old humorous drinking problem. Like, yeah. 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 So I think that topped out at airplane guys yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty um, bad day to yeah i uh <laughs> arthur um there was a bunch i'm i'm not even gonna bother reading the rest of this art i skimmed through this article and some of it disappoints me because it includes an analyst saying that they believe the biggest opportunity is because marvel is essentially they think marvel's gonna seed the ground for r-rated superhero movies now that it bought fox um and i'm like no that is not the lesson to take away from this it's yeah. the exact opposite of that lesson. <laughs> Uh, people are stupid. Is what we're learning. A- analysts are <laughs> dummies. It yep. doesn't matter what industry, man. Uh, what a racket! Any other general superhero things that we should talk about? You know, we've had something in the superhero list for a while now, which we haven't discussed, but I'll throw it in here since it's kind of uh, building on that. Which is the uh, the trailer for the Birds of Prey movie. I have not seen no. that. Okay, it's I been linked to in our document literally yeah, four weeks. Yeah. Um, Anyways, well, sorry, I didn't realize it was a signed reading. I just, <laughs> jeez, damn. I don't. There was literally nothing else in this. But <laughs> spend the two uh, minutes, guy. <laughs> uh, oh, have you have you watched it? You can you can talk about it. I don't care. I mean, I'm uh, not. I watched it a while. I watched it a long time ago. Um, same. So I don't really uh, remember much about it, frankly. Um, I wasn't terribly impressed. Uh, that's what I remember, and that was about it. Yeah, I, I, I fleshed it out of my head because I was like, okay, I'm not, I've lost interest in this. I like a lot of the people who are in that, um, but I'm not sure whether or not that story is for me. Yeah, right. Uh, mainly because, and I know if James Thompson is listening, he will clutch his brow in consternation when I say this, but I'm not the biggest Harley Quinn fan. Clutch his, br- cl- can you clutch, clutch his brow? brow yeah. Sure, you can totally clutch your brow. Sure you can, yeah. It's it's not a usual phrase. It's but, not you know, it's not an expression, it. but sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I what do nobody what, says that? But yeah, sure. rub his brow, clutch his heart, uh, clutch his pearls. Uh, yeah, I thought you were going for clutch his pearls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't want to be so pejorative. That feels very anyway. biased and and kind of true. And so I yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> Instead, I will just say. <laughs> James will be upset clutch with his me. brow. <laughs> anyway, his brow. Clutch, this... I'm clutching it now. Oh, you guys are making me clutch my brow. That's not a thing. Okay, whatever. Doesn't matter. This discussion has been more interesting than that trailer was. Because guess what? I too watched that trailer and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> now that I see it on my screen, I'm like, oh yeah. So you don't need to do the homework. You just need to remember having done. I, I ex- yeah, I did actually do the homework at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. I, I think you texted it to us and I watched it at that moment. And I was yeah, like, yeah. Right. Cool. So yeah, your reaction was like mine. I just sort of flushed it out of my memory. Yeah, I'm like, um, yeah. Uh, speaking of like dark, has anybody caught up on Watchmen? Oh, thank you for mentioning this. I uh, still haven't watched any of it, so I'm. Dear yeah. readers, don't be a Dan. Uh, <laughs> yes. N- new new rating system. It goes below <laughs> Alex. Is Dan? Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, that's bleep a bit harsh. Bloop. <laughs> that, yeah, bleep bloop. That's really really. It's really harsh. Uh, go for it, John. Just gush. Well, it's uh, it's terrific. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I 
did not like the boys. I only watched one episode of the boys and I mentioned this before, but like, I think I said the difference is it's not as glibly cynical as the boys. And it also is really, uh, has a really strong message about just like stuff in this country, even though it's set in an alternate universe, it's very much set in this world. And, the message that it has is um is really powerful so um i i am uh you know like i i'm not crazy about i don't tend to lean on stuff that's so kind of dark but it's it's dark that's done with a really important um thrust behind it that makes it work really well yeah it's it's dark for a reason it's not dark for the sake of being dark yes it's, it's, exactly. it's like yes. They're... right it's dark because it has something to say about the <laughs> the inherent yeah, state of affairs yeah <laughs> right yeah and it says it eloquently it's an incredibly well-made show this most recent episode yeah that, that's that should win awards yeah it really it should it, it, it's, it's it is good. amazing it is yeah. probably some of the best television on that i've seen almost ever it's really really great so far yeah um it's, yeah, it's I mean, like, you know, so I, like, yeah. it took me a long time to get through to just compare it to another HBO show. It took me a long time to get through uh, Game of Thrones just because I found so much of the violence gratuitous and yeah. it never it ne- and never really for any reason other than to be gratuitous and to uh, sort of say, you know, this world sucks. Look at this. Look at this horrible world. <laughs> <laughs> right isn't it gross and horrible keep watching yeah. um whereas this is uh more about the real reasons behind why so many things are so horrible yeah yeah and uh, and, I, and like and like i said like i i it, it's very grounded in what you know this country um they've done a ton of research like yes yeah yeah it's <laughs> even though it takes place in this fictional world it is it is 100% about <laughs> reality because the uh, the events that the characters are reacting to are actually happened in our reality right uh well most of them a giant squid didn't teleport into yeah, the middle of manhattan yeah, yeah. but <laughs> <Less> that <one>. <laughs> not <laughs> that one That's uh, not yeah <laughs> don't don't make it dark <laughs> <laughs> this this timeline i would <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't completely rule it rule yeah it yeah could happen Ozzy Mandy is up to his old tricks again um uh-huh. But no, it's it's brilliant. It's 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 beautiful in its own way. It's beautifully shot. It's yeah, be- beautiful storytelling. Um, well, well acted. I mean, it's great performances from from uh, people who I didn't even recognize when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the Don Johnson and um, yeah, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, both both really great. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, I, yeah, I yeah. can't I can't read it high. It's, we're not going to rate this one. It's beyond rating. It's very, it's, it's remarkably, it's just remarkably good television. It's a great work of art. Frankly. It doesn't really, it really does not deserve our, our, uh, no, it our rating system that, that no. pops out at a, at a second, a second rate thug on Lian Yu. Yeah, no, no. All of Biff is pretty great, but it's, no, it's, is, it's, beyond, it's so. beyond a Biff. That's that. I can go back now. Okay, put my headphones back, back on. Now. Yeah, that was yeah. spoiler free. No, I, yeah, I, I, was spoiler. I, I never left. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, it's it's been on my list of things to watch, and I will definitely get around to it. It is just the uh, the the heaviness of peak TV <laughs> has, has made yeah. it difficult. Right, right. Um, shall we address a letter? Oh, sure. yeah, for sure. Okay, to the letters page. This is. I would think I I would describe this week's letter as more of a comment than a question. <laughs> But it's from our friend Sam Cook, so we are obligated. We will allow it. We will allow it. We will allow it. Uh, Sam writes, Dear Biff, did you know that LaMonica Garrett, a.k.a. The Monitor, is a former professional slam ball player? That's it. That's the question. Signed, your artist in residence, Sam. I think I speak for all of us when I say... Not only did I not know this, I did not know what slam ball was and thought for a moment. I still, it, I it, still don't know what slam it was ball is. You guys don't know what slam ball is? I thought it was a fake sport from like Star Trek Next Generation. Like, yeah, Ry- Riker <laughs> totally played slam ball with those guys. <laughs> no, no, no. You have that to score a clutch. slam ball with his father? Oh, my God. Uh, just moving, yeah. moving. You've got to score the clutch. That's what you got to do in slam ball. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta clutch your brow? <laughs> you gotta, no. You just, yeah. you gotta so clutch the slam ball. Clutching and slam ball. Yeah. Uh, so apparently it is a form of basketball played with trampolines, which sounds amazing. Oh, I think I have seen that. I think they've got like a mini trampoline in front of the net kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know of a similar... Oh, God. What is the name? I'm forgetting. I, I feel like there's a variant of a um, Ultimate Frisbee game that involves... Something kind of similar, but now I'm forgetting what the name is. But yeah, so apparently this aired on TV. Uh, professional slam ball games aired for two seasons in 2002 and 2003. Um, Man, what a wonderful world we live in. That's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot here, and apparently also this is a full contact sport as well, which seems like it could really get you injured pretty well. Which also suggests a good reason why you might want to get why, out. Why it was only yeah, two seasons. Why you want to get out of slam ball. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every, uh-huh. every star they had just broke a leg and it was just out. Like this. There's no longevity in that sport. I was reading his Wikipedia page, which is kind of funny because, uh, so while he was still a slam ball player, he landed a role on an episode of the show One Tree Hill that had a slam ball related storyline. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a real backdoor no, move. I'm clutching there. my brow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Hey, you know Can't what? Wrap any my head around that? Any landing you can walk away from is my feeling. <laughs> any slam ball landing? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting. Yeah. So okay. that's that is this week's letter. Uh, I will also say we had a a very nice letter from listener Stephen who asked us about... Um, They're readers, Dan. They're readers. Uh, I'm sorry. Our reader, Stephen. Yep. Um, and he, in fact, even signed it, Reader Stephen, so that's on me. Um, <laughs> who, Stephen, who, Stephen, you want to take over Dan's job? <laughs> yeah, I got to recommend it. There's a lot of work, and the pay sucks, so... <laughs> oh, oh, no. That's true. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> please, please, somebody let me free of this terrible curse. <laughs> Um, he asked about, uh, something, unfortunately we haven't had a chance to watch, but we did discuss it over email, which was apparently in Young Justice season three, there's references to an, a shadowy organization known as Biff, which, which I'm sure we would all like to believe is a tip of the hat to our show. I'm sure it is. I'm sure Uh, there's no reason to doubt it. Yeah. Greg, Greg (laughs) Wiseman. We did not kidnap him. I just want to be clear. 
some days I'm convinced that they're listening to us. And then when they miss the easy cause and effect drop in this, I was like, eh, maybe they don't. <laughs> they don't listen. Yeah, Berlanti's, they know you got to put a Star Trek thing in every episode. Berlanti's just teasing yeah. you now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's, uh, it's kind of fair. Yeah, we did. We did do him a real violence. <laughs> a great disservice. Yeah. I feel bad about it still. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, sorry, Stephen. We haven't had a chance to see yet. But thank you for bringing it to our attention. It sounds hilarious. I'm looking forward to catching up on that at some point. Maybe if that ever makes its way to HBO Max next year, so I don't have to subscribe to DCU again. Oh yeah, man, these streaming services are becoming a bummer. It's true. Um, yep. But well, there you have it. Uh, all right. Any last things before we wrap up this week? Um, if you're, you know, I don't know if some of the people who read this podcast are super nerds or not, but, um, uh, one of the things that I noticed as a super nerd having now gotten Disney plus is that some, I guess this was material I can't, I, that was at the Disney event or something, but there's, if you go to the Marvel tab on that, there's, uh, some footage that talks about the upcoming shows on Disney plus, um, and, oh, cool. and the, and most of it I had heard before um, but there's a couple of little details in it, including uh, showing some uh, artwork um, pre-production stuff for like the uniforms of uh, some of the characters. So it's kind of cool. Nice. Cool. Nice. Um, all right. Well, that is it for us this week. We will be back next week to discuss uh, Arrow Season 8, Episode 7, Purgatory, as we mentioned. Uh, that is the last episode before crisis um and uh to let you know what we're doing about crisis uh we'll be doing an episode on the first three episodes that air um before the break because the winter break basically cuts crisis right in the middle uh three episodes air beforehand two episodes air in january including the arrow episode uh so we will cover the first half of it uh and then we'll do some other stuff over the hiatus and then we'll come back to it um but yeah, we will also probably air uh, at least stream one of those uh, the crisis episode live. Uh, so if people want to pop into the chat room and do uh, you know deliver some hastily written letters very quickly, that's an option. But uh, until we're back next week, I want to thank the rest of my good friends, John Moltz. Thanks for being here. Dan will be back next week and every week because I don't give up, Dan. I never give up. Uh, that's the wrong lesson to take away from this. Guy <laughs> English, thank you. Always a pleasure. I'm not sure it is because I've made fun of you a bit this this episode. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Guy English, I, I, sometimes a pleasure. I, Goodbye. I, yeah, I am, I am truly sorry. You're a real clutch contributor. <laughs> I'm clutching my brow right now. Yeah. Uh, and thank you all out there for reading along with us. Hey, it's the holidays. Treat yourself to a nice Leanne Yu shirt from our uh, friends at the Cotton Bureau. <laughs> Gonna keep saying it. <laughs> Gonna keep saying it. They're going back to Leanne Yu next week. This is product yeah, placement, really. people. This may be your last chance. This is, this is synergy, as they say in the business. <laughs> anyway, we appreciate all your support uh, at The Incomparable and at Biff. And uh, we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.